but isn't he? I remember back in the day uh, when the only thing that we could look forward to looking to and looking at in the worship service was who's going to shout and win and who was going to do the helicopter and who wasn't. Amen. For those of you who haven't been around Pentecost, you don't know what the Pentecost, what the helicopter is, but I remember. Amen. I'm so thankful that the Lord has allowed the church to come to the place now that we have accepted all different types of, of uh, visual arts and musical arts to use to give him glory and give him praise. Amen. Well, I'm going to begin this morning, um, released the message. This is our sixth week in this segment of the series. And, and I'm going to take a little break from it after this week and then move in a different direction. As I've already mentioned, next week we're going to be talking about the church and and uh, this local expression of God's global body in the earth. The next Sunday on the 21st of February, we're going to hear a message from our uh, family pastors, uh, family ministries pastor. Uh, Jonathan is going to come in here and he's going to be preaching on Sunday morning the 21st. So I want you to come and uh, support him and his ministry and hear what the Lord has laid upon his heart. And then after that, we begin the journey toward Easter. Can you believe that? Easter uh, comes early this year in March. And so we're going to begin, uh, we, we will focus our attention on uh, those themes that have to do with, um, with Easter. But throughout the course of this year, you're going to hear me talking about this idea of being released. Because God did not save you just simply so you could feel good. He has saved you and released you from sin so that you can be in service on behalf of the kingdom of God. God created you for a reason. He knows you intimately. He created you wonderfully. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And I really believe that when the church rises to that level of confidence that we will begin to see things in our lives that we've never seen before. So today we're going to talk about the fact that uh, there are three important key words that we have to consider when it has to do with our personal destiny and purpose. And so today I, I want to talk to you about these three key words and give you some things to think about. But the first thing, and I want to start with this, is simply this. You need to understand that Satan does not want you to discover what your purpose is. He does not want that. The scripture says he came to kill you, to destroy you, and, and to put you in a place where you are no longer effective in this earth. But Jesus has just the opposite effect on our lives. He wants to allow us to become everything that God has intended for us to be. But before we can get to that, we have to understand that there are three things. Two of them now are negative and one of them are positive. Let's start with the negative. The first word that we have to consider is this word chance. The word chance. Now, here's what I mean. How you view God's sovereignty affects how you view your divine purpose. In other words, you have to come to grips with this idea that God either is in control or he's not. He has either created you or he did not. 
He has either, 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 he, he either brought you to this place in life or he has not. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not believe that Christians live by luck. I don't, I don't get up today or in the morning and say, I hope that today is my lucky day. I hope that I somehow hit the lottery of life today and good things happen to me today. Listen, I believe that scripture teaches that every day that we live, that God has designed that day for us. And his purpose is working in our lives. So you have to make a choice early on in your relationship with the Lord to either believe that God created you on purpose, for purpose, or we're just living our lives by luck. We're just hoping that something good happens. We're just hoping that nothing bad happens. We're just hoping that we can get through life and somehow make it to heaven on the tail end of this journey. But listen, I'm not living my life like that. I'm not living my life hoping for the day that I can be delivered from this world so that I can finally go to heaven. Although I am looking forward to heaven, my energies are focused upon living every day of my life smack dab in the middle of the purpose that God has created for my life. God sovereignly allows challenging things to happen to perfect his purpose in you. Let me say that again. God sovereignly allows challenging things to happen to perfect his purpose in you. You may be thinking that, you know, well, I, God must be punishing me. No, God, God does not punish you that way. But what God will do is he will allow things to come into your life that will challenge you to look higher and live higher and live differently than you would if you were not challenged. Scripture is very clear. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Listen, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have difficult times come. There are going to be things that touch your life that you may not understand. There are things that you may not want. There are things that you may not desire. And you can look at them in the negative light and say, oh, the devil is out to get me or you can say God I know that while you're not putting this on me you are allowing me to face this challenge so I can mature and become everything that you have designed me to be God does nothing by chance God does not roll the dice when it comes to your life God does not have a wheel of fortune wheel that he spins every day to determine whether or not you'll be blessed or whether or not you will be bankrupt. God does not work that way. God understands everything about you and is able to direct all of the resources and circumstances into your life that will help you to become the person that he has created you to be. Dr. Tony Evans says it like this. He said, God created you on purpose. 
You are not the result of random forces in the universe coming together. Neither are you a mistake. Every part of you was intentional. Listen, I did not evolve from some monkey somewhere on the face of the earth. Some animal did not come crawling up out of the ocean and then be the first in my bloodline. No, God, the scripture says, created man and woman and created us in his image. You can call me a monkey or a donkey or a lizard or anything else you want to call me, but I choose to believe that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I am who I am because of him. I was not made by chance. God does not roll the dice with his people. He is in control. John, play the video if you will. You have served me, Lord. And you know me. And you know me. And you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. It's it my fault. From afar. You discern my going out. And my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before I will on my down. You, Lord, know it completely. For you created my innermost being. And my together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you, Lord. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Because I am my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made. In a secret place. Your eyes saw my own body. All days, days. Ordained for me. Were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your false God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I used to count them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. They would outnumber the grains of sand. I say again, God makes no mistakes. 
Psalm 139, which is the passage that they were referring to, says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. And then later in the chapter, beginning at verse 13, the writer says, You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it so very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book, were all written the days that were ordained for me, when I, as yet there was none of them. And then the prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 49, verses 1 through 3. He said, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. For the Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a short, sharp sword, and in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow, and in his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. When Isaiah was talking about his birth, he said, God made me in such a way that he knew that there would come a time and a season and a place where God would be able to reach into his quiver and pull out a specifically designed arrow by the name of Isaiah so that when the time was right and a prophetic word needed to come that God could load Isaiah in the bow and pull the string back and shoot Isaiah at the proper time so that he could speak the proper words. What I'm saying to you this morning is, is that you were not created by accident. You were not created by chance. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Tim Tebow? Anybody ever heard that name? Tim Tebow was nearly aborted when he was in his mother's womb. His mom and dad were doing missionary work in the Philippines. And while there, she, who was pregnant at the time, came into contact with dysentery. And because of that, they said, the baby will be born with brain damage and you will likely die in the birth process. We recommend that you abort the baby. But years before... Mom and dad had gotten together and had prayed that God would give them a preacher. 
Not a football player, but a preacher. Someone who could be inserted into this world and declare the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. And you know the rest of the story. When it came time for Tim to be born, he was not only born, but he was born free from any kind of negative effect. And the mother lived to tell about it. And Tim grew up to be a young man who guided a university to a college championship wearing John 3.16 on his face and is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Listen to me, church. God did not create you by chance. God had a purpose for you. And while this may not yet be your season, trust me when I tell you that you are still sitting strategically in the quiver of God's, uh, in, in His quiver. And when the time comes, uh, He will pull you out uh, and He will use you for the purpose for which you were created. Amen. So we have to come to grips with this idea of chance. Is God in control? Are we living by luck? The second thing that we have to understand and kind of deal with in our mind is this idea of romance. I know that some of you are thinking about something other than what I'm talking about. You're talking about when your husband brings you flowers or chocolates. And by the way, guys, next week's Valentine's Day. If you're wise, you will go home and say, my pastor said something about Valentine's Day. I better make some plans. You should get some plans together. But that's not what I'm talking about. You see, one of the greatest deterrents to living a life of purpose is a propensity to living life as a romantic a romantic, according to the dictionary, is someone who is idealistic. In other words, everything has to be exactly right. Everything has to match the ideal or I can't deal with it at all. It has to be, for a romantic, it is oftentimes unrealistic. What they desire and what they want is often unrealistic. It's, it's, not, it's not practical. It's, it's someone who often has their head in the clouds. Do you know anyone like that? I mean, they can't come down to earth because their head is always in the clouds. They're starry-eyed. They're always hopeful for something else. They're always searching for and looking for some utopia in which they can live. Their life is one that, that is deemed a fairy tale because they can't live in the real world. They can't live with honest expectations. Now, I hope God will help me to say what I need to say right here and that you'll understand what it is that I'm trying to say here. God created the, you the way that you are for a reason. But we often are, are trying to change who we are and change our circumstances. Listen, if you were born black, you were born black because God knew that that is how you would live out your purpose. If you were born white, then you were born white because of God. 
If you were born Asian, then you were born because that way in that nationality because of the hand of God. But we live in a society now where we're not satisfied oftentimes with the way that God created us. And so we see black people trying to be white. And we see white people trying to be black. And we see everybody trying to be someone other than who God created them to be. God created us as heterosexual individuals. There's no debating this in Scripture. And yet in our society today, we're being told that if you don't want to live a heterosexual life, then you can live a different life. It's okay. But it's not the way God created us. We're told that if we don't want to be a man anymore, we can just change our identity and our gender. We can have surgery. We can change the way that we are. But in God's eyes, we were created in a perfect way and in a perfect state. And and it's only in this sense of romanticism that we can make this decision that I want to be different than the way that I am. Then we turn to people who they were, they were born in, in a particular family and in a particular way and they don't want to be that way. And so they change everything in their lives. They look at their body and they say, I don't like the body that I have. And so they start cutting parts of it off and they start putting things where they, you know, weren't before. They start having surgery and making their nose look differently and their eyes look differently. And, and, and I'm not trying to be mean today, but I'm just trying to say there comes a point when we have to come to this, to this place where we say, God, you created me the way that I am. Can I just get to a place where you understand what I'm talking about? I, I come from a family of hunchbacks. Now, if you want to laugh, go ahead. My, my mom was a hunchback. My uncle was a hunchback. Add others. And that means people who tend to lean over. All my life, I have leaned over. I've always said it's because I'm so tall. In order to come down to your level, I have to find out how to do that. So if I, if I want to talk to you, I have to come down. And I, I was noticing not too long ago that in my older age, and some of you are wondering how old is he, I'm 57, okay? Deal with it. I'm having to deal with it. But I've noticed that I, when I look into the side mirror, that I've got this kind of circle on my back, this kind of hunch on my back. And you know, you say, well, if, if you'd have stood up when you were a kid, get off my case. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a merry Christmas we'd have. Amen? That's what I have to say with that. Listen, when I was a kid, I used to beg my mom and dad to buy me one of those braces. I used to want to wear one of those corsets for men so that I could stand up like this all the time. But you know what I discovered is that no matter how hard I try to stand up straight, my natural 
posture is, is that I begin to lean back in this direction. And the bad part of it is, is that when I square my shoulders back, my stomach comes out like I'm pregnant. So I have just had to learn that I am not Tom Selleck. Although there are a lot of people that think I look a lot like him. I'm not Mark Lowry. Everybody say, you look just like Mark Lowry. Well, you know what? If I could sing like Mark Lowry... And if I had Mark Lowry's money, I'd be happy to change my name to Mark Lowry. But here's the truth of the matter. I am Rob Baker. I am William Robert Baker Jr. God has created me the way that he wants me to be. And I'll be flipped if I'm going to spend the rest of my life wishing that I looked different and smelled different. Well, I could smell different. I can change that. Walk different. Look different. I'm not going to do it. Because I am who I am by God's crafting. Now, that doesn't give me the right to walk around with a bad attitude all the time and say, well, yeah, if you don't like me, then hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. I am who I am. I have a, I have a propensity to be OCD. Anybody know what that is? Uh, it drives me crazy, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but it drives me crazy that those doors at the front of the sanctuary back there are not on center with the center of the stage. <laughs> Some of you never noticed that. I noticed it the first time that I walked in because my OCD went, Ugh. And I started thinking of ways that we could tear out that wall and move those doors or somehow jack this thing up and create a new side. I don't know. It's my OCD. I go crazy over stuff like that. I have to have things in its place. My wife was tired the other night and we had set up and we had watched some movie and she, when it was over, she said, I'm going to bed. And, and she has this, this way of doing things that's amazing to me. But she pulled the handle on her lazy boy recliner and the foot went down and she stood up and the cover that she was covered up with just fell right down on the ground at her feet. She said, I'll see you in the morning stepped over the cover and started to go to the bedroom. And I got up, didn't say a word, didn't sigh, didn't say, you've got to be kidding me. I just reached down and picked it up and started folding it up. And she looked at me and she said, you just couldn't leave it lay there, could you? I said, I absolutely could not. And I had to fold it up and put it where it belongs. I don't know if there are other people that are like that. 
But we have this idea of how things ought to be. And then if that's not bad enough, the church in America is telling us that if we've got any sickness in our body, it's because we don't have enough faith to be healed. And if we don't have riches in our bank account, it's because we don't have the mindset to be able to be rich in all of our ways. And we're constantly in this struggle and this tension with who we are and who God has created us to be and who someone else is telling us we should be. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. He said, listen, here's the bottom line. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He didn't say anything about wanting to drive a newer car or one that's gold plated or have gold in his mouth. He didn't say anything about having the biggest house on the brain. He said, listen, I'd rather die right now and go to heaven. But if I'm not going to die and go to heaven, uh, every second of every moment of every day of the week, I'm going to live for the glory of Jesus Christ in my life. See, Paul was content with who he was and what he had because he knew that God's purpose was being fulfilled in his life. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, he says, and and, and let me set this up in context. God had allowed him to be caught up into the heavenlies and to have a vision and to obtain revelation that no one else had. Have you ever had a secret that you knew that no one else knew? It's tempting, isn't it, to walk around people and say, I know something you don't know. I have information that I found out first. Don't you just hate it when somebody comes up and says, did you know? Have you heard? Because they know good and well you didn't know. You knew good and well that they haven't heard. Of course, everybody's heard about U of L this week. My goodness, there have been more tears shed in this city than in the five years that I've lived here. Yep. Amazing to me. Did you hear? Did you know? What do you think? How's it going to be? How do I know? And why should I care? And turn the TV on, watch a little basketball, and chill out, dude. I mean, look, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Jesus is still on the throne, whether Rick Pitino's coaching or not. It'll be all right. God's in control. So he has this information that no one else has. And this is what Paul says. He said, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I prayed and pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. But he said. Who said? God said. My grace is sufficient for you. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, listen to this. Man, this hit me like a ton of bricks this week. He said, for the sake of Christ, then... I'm content with weakness. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecution. I'm content with calamities. For when I am weak, I'm strong. Well, not in America. If you're not growing and if you're not being favored and highly blessed and having all these materialistic goods and something's wrong with your faith, Paul just killed that philosophy because he said, listen, I am content because I know what God has called me to do. I know what my purpose is and I'm okay with it. I'm content with it. I'm all right with it. And if I'm never rich and if I'm never in a power and if I never get rid of this thorn in the flesh that was given to me, I'm okay with that. I'm content because I know that the will of God is being worked out in my life. So give up on this romantic idea that everything has to fit this ideal and fit this mold that everybody is telling you it should look like. The way your life should play out and what your life should look like is exactly what God has designed it to look like. And in that, you should be able to be happy because we're talking about God here. We're not talking about the governor of Kentucky. We're not talking about the president of the United States having a will for you. We're not talking about your husband or your wife or your mate or your neighbor or your kids having a will for you. We're talking about very God saying, I created you fearfully and wonderfully for this purpose. And only when you fulfill this purpose will you be able to hear me say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know what the scripture says about David at the end of his life? It says, after he had fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation, David died. How many of you know one of you are going to, you're going to die one of these days? Did you know that? Punch your neighbor and say, I did not realize that. When you get to heaven, if you get there before me, you're going to punch somebody and say, he was right. I did die. But you're not going to die until you fulfill the purpose of God in your life. That's the reason I don't have to get afraid of getting on an airplane. I don't get in in, in my car and think fearful thoughts because as long as I am pleasing God and as long as I am fulfilling his purpose in my life, uh, the roar of the lion of Judah is quickly uh, approaching me. I am protected by his hand. And when he's done with me, And my life comes to its conclusion, no matter how hard I try to stay alive, it's not going to happen because God's going to call me home. 
It's appointed unto men once to die. And then we will give account through the judgment for the things that we have or have not done in this body. Come help me quit if you will. I don't yet. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'll just quit early. So here's the question I want to ask you today. Who are you dancing with? Who are you going to dance with? You say, well, I don't dance with nobody. I dance by myself. I dance solo. I only dance when I'm in the shower. I only dance when I'm by myself. I dance when anybody will look. Listen, nobody, nobody dances solo. You may be by yourself, but you're not dancing by yourself. Because the very thing that is causing you to dance was put there by God himself. If I were to suddenly start breaking out in dance, as I've been known to do. You don't know what I'm dancing to. God knows. I know. But you don't know. Lord have mercy, baby's got her blue jeans on. No, no. You see, there's a rhythm in us that connects with our soul and our body spirit and that rhythm of life begins to move us to actions so whether I'm up here dancing like this or whether I'm out on the streets feeding the homeless I'm dancing whether I'm at the hospital laying hands on the sick believing that they will recover I'm dancing whether I'm holding my tongue when what I really want to do is shoot my mouth off. But I know that the rhythm of Scripture says that a soft answer turns away wrath. When I'm operating in that realm, I am dancing to the rhythm that God has placed in me. The Scripture says... The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. 
so that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Is it all right if I make you angry this morning? Are you okay? Now, if I'm just a citizen of the United States of America, I can get upset about all the Muslims that are coming in to the country that I live in and that I call home. I can get upset about it. I can write my congressman and I can say, you need to get them out of this country because this is my country. This is our country. But it's not. It's God's country. And if what I read is accurate, and it is, it says that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Are you hearing me? Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place so that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. So the next time that you look someone of the Muslim faith walking down the street, instead of allowing that, that fleshly, what are you doing in our country? What are you doing here? Did you ever stop to consider that maybe God changed the boundaries because they would have never found their way to God in the environment that they were in? But being here, if we will treat them with respect and if we will treat them with love and if we will treat them with the heart of Christ, they may find their way to Christ. You remember Sophia? Muslim girl raised in a Muslim home. Found her way to Christ. What if we had said, no, no, no. You're not welcome here. You're not welcome in this church. You're not welcome in this community. But because we opened our arms and extended the love of Jesus Christ... She found her way to him, found a godly man, has spent the last four years at Lee University preparing themselves for ministry, and are now launched into a season of life where someone who was once of the Muslim faith is now sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, we can get on our hobby horses and we can get on our high horses all that we want to. But if I'm reading scripture right, he's saying, I will change the boundaries, the times and the seasons so that everyone can experience me in a way that I determined that they should. Can I just take one more little step into dangerous territory? There was time in America when our precious black brothers and sisters could not drink from the same fountain that I drink from. There was a time they could not enter into the same door 
that I could enter into. There was a time when they could not ride the bus the way I was able to ride the bus. And there were Christians who declared that that's the way that it should be. But I stand before you today as a man who declares I'm thankful for the civil liberties that my black brothers and sisters now enjoy and the freedoms that they now have that they once did not have. And let me tell you, as we move toward the end times, God is going to change the boundaries before our very eyes and the allotted times so that they can find their way to Jesus Christ. Christianity is not an American religion. It's a God religion. It's a God faith. So let me ask you today, who are you going to dance with? How are you going to dance? That scripture says, he is actually not far from us. For it is in him we live and we move and we have our being. So when you see me living, you see me moving, helicopter no it's because of who lives in me I'm going to dance with him as long as I have breath in my body and life in me I want to dance with him this world holds nothing for me this world can offer me nothing I just want to live and move with my Savior, Jesus Christ.